Hey everybody, this is Pastor Dan Jackson with Jacob's Well Church. Due to the spread of the coronavirus, on Sunday, March 22, 2020, we started posting online video Sunday virtual church services. The audio you are about to listen to is taken from the video footage of one of those virtual church services. Our hope and prayer is that through this message, God would minister to you, draw you closer to himself, and strengthen you to live for his glory. To watch videos of our church services, or to connect to Jacob's Well Church, or to just get more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Good morning, Jacob's Well family. My name is Dan. I'm the pastor here at Jacob's Well Church. If I have never connected with you, I would love to do that. Even during this time of quarantine, we can do that virtually over FaceTime or over the phone. Would love to do that. In order to connect, please just shoot me an email at danjackson at jacobswellgb.org, and we'll find a time to get together and talk. I have several important announcements for you today. First off, I am so excited because this Friday from 7 to 8.30 p.m., we're going to have a church-wide trivia night over Zoom. Now, if you, like me, are afraid of trivia because you don't feel like you know all that much, don't worry. Because these trivia questions that I will be asking you are things that nobody knows. And you're just taking your best educated guess, like how many stories in the Leaning Tower of Pisa or how many miles from Green Bay, Wisconsin to St. Louis, Missouri. So kids, even you can play. Now, in order to get the Zoom invite for this event, to get the link, you'll have to go to our website under virtual church. And under that link, under that tab, you will find the link game night, virtual game night. Click on that and fill in the short form uh, with your name and email address. And you can fill this out for every device that your household is going to be using. Now, you're only allowed one device per person. But if in your household, there's three of you and you're using three devices, please fill this out three times. The registration deadline is this Friday at 2 p.m. And I will email you the link by Friday at 5 p.m. Please log on a little earlier uh, just to make sure we're ready. And if you've never used Zoom before, maybe try starting to log on at 6.30 p.m. so that we can start right at 7 p.m. Now, while I'm talking about the website, I also wanted to mention to you, if you are wondering how you can give your tithes and offerings to Jacob's Well during this time, you'll see there again under the virtual church tab down below it, there's in the drop down menu, you'll see another tab that says tithes and offering. Just click on that and it will give you all the information you need uh, to submit your tithes and offerings to the church in worship of God. Also want to announce that we are having a virtual membership class on May Fifth, yes, that is Cinco de Mayo. It's going to be a party from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. This class is for those who are interested in becoming members of Jacob's Well Church, or if you just want to learn more about Jacob's Well Church and you're not ready to become a member, this is also a great class for you to sign up for. To register, please email Angie Tolfa no later than May 3rd. Um, The sooner you register, the better, because we will send you a membership packet that you are to read over prior to membership class. But the, the absolute last day is May 3rd. Today will be our third and final week in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Next week, we will return to our 1 Corinthians series by diving into 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Finally, my favorite part of the announcements are the pictures. 
kids and adults, you have been doing an amazing job with these colorings over the past few weeks. And I'm going to show pictures of these during our fellowship time. But first, let me give you this week's assignment. This week, I need you to color a picture of a garden or of a farm field. And there's a few important things about this picture that you need to include in it. And I'll start from the bottom. First off, you need to draw seeds below the ground, make them of different shapes and sizes, uh, and then you can draw roots if you want. But then secondly, make sure you draw the actual plant. And you could have a diverse group of plants. You could have flowers, you can have tomato plants, you can have trees, you can have corn stalks if you want, whatever you want. Just make a garden or a farm field. Um, and then at the top, on one corner, write out our passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can include the verses if you want, 25 through 58. But in the other corner, I want you to draw a trumpet, okay? And, uh, and so those are the instructions for this artwork today. Again, once you do that, please take a picture of it and either post it on our Facebook page or you can email it or text it to me, and I would love to show it off next week. Good morning, Jakeswell family. I want to start by reading the passage our sermon will be on today. And as I do this, I want to encourage you to do something that is a little bit strange. I want you to take your wrist and pinch just a little piece of your flesh. Can you do that just like that? Just take a little piece of your flesh and pinch it. And the reason why I want you to do that today is because this passage today is about this piece of flesh. It's about our flesh. It's about the eternal destiny of your body in Christ. And so I'm going to read today's passage. And as I do so, I want to encourage you to dream, to use your imagination, to consider the glory of the truths that are being read. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 through 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 35 through 58. This is God's word. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. 
the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust. And as, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed." For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. This is God's word and our hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Pray that you would press the wonders of what we have just read into our soul and help us to sing about it now with great joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start by introducing you to my latest Craigslist find. It is the Widener Home Gym 4500. This is a thing of beauty. You can do bench press on it, lap pulls, bicep curls, leg extensions, leg curls. On one side, you can also do squats and calf raises. On the other side, there are some pulleys and some straps so you can do some hatchet pulls or some, some twists. It's an awesome machine. We purchased this about four months ago. And to date, the best workout I have ever gotten on this machine was simply setting it up. I was sore for two days afterwards. Now, I did do some workouts on it after we set it up. I even created a little workout chart for myself. But then, as you know, I got distracted and maybe a little bit lazy. But the weather got nice. There were chores to do. My TV shows were on. I wanted to eat chocolate, whatever it might be. Anyways, the reason I bought this piece of furniture is because I know that I need a body transformation. My back has been hurting, and so I wanted to strengthen my abs to take away some of that back pain. And to be honest with you, I'm carrying a little more inertia than I wish I was. In fact, one time I was FaceTiming with my big brother who lives in Chicago, and he was telling me that I was looking a little bit chubby. And I said, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. And he responded, how many cameras do you have on you? All of us know our bodies are not the way they ought to be. And we are desperately trying to have them transformed into the body that we want. 
This is why we work out. This is why we eat healthy. This is why we go to the doctor. This is why we pay health insurance. I mean, did you know that as a country of our gross domestic product, 18% goes towards health care? There's a good chance that you have seen from your own paycheck how much of that goes to healthcare and it makes you sick to your stomach. Why do we do this? Because all of humanity seeks and longs for a transformed body. And our drive for this transformed body can not only be exhausting, but it can also be quite discouraging. And sometimes, many times, most of the time, it can even feel hopeless because we're fighting a losing battle. What today's passage tells us is that the day is coming where we will have the transformed body that we long for. Not only will it be our body, but the body of all who trust in Christ. This passage should be a feast for our weary bodies as we stretch our imaginations to consider our future transformed body. Now, this passage answers three important questions about that transformation. One is, how do we get a transformed body? Secondly, what do we obtain with a transformed body? And thirdly, why do we need a transformed body? Okay, so three things. How do we get it? What do we obtain with it? And why do we need it? How do we get a transformed body? Look at verse 35 with me. Paul says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? The people Paul is addressing here are not asking this question with humility and hopeful expectation, dreaming of their future body like, oh, I can only imagine. Tell me what it's going to be like, Paul. Rather, these are people who are opponents to the thought of any physical resurrection at all. You see, from the Greek culture and many other cultures around it, there was this pervasive belief that the flesh is bad, that the body is bad, but the soul is good. And the goal was to be liberated from the flesh. You see, Christianity is distinct in believing that the physical world is good. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, each day God created something and then he looks at it and he says, it is good. And then on the sixth day, he creates man, flesh and bone, our body. And he looks at it and he says, it is very good. So God does not want to destroy our flesh when we die. He actually wants to improve it. And so Paul's opponents are mocking him saying, okay, Paul, what kind of body is coming? Is it going to be a wrinkled up body? You know, is it going to be able to walk? Is it, is it just going to be full of evil? Come on, Paul, what kind of body would we want? What kind of body could we get? And thus Paul's blunt response. Verse 36, you foolish persons, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Paul is arguing here from what we call general revelation. That is from creation, God's handiwork. And Paul is saying that in creation, there is proof of bodily transformation, that it's all around us. That when we look out our windows or when we go for a walk, that every tree, every plant, every flower, every vegetable proclaims that there is bodily transformation. Because all of those had a former body, which was just a seed. And a new body 
which is now a tree or a flower or a kernel of wheat. And so the general revelation answers our question of how do we get a transformed body? And the simple answer is we must die. We must physically die and then be raised from the dead. And the reason why this is the path that leads to a transformed body is because this is how Jesus received his transformed body and how he created a path for us to receive our transformed body. You see, it was Jesus who said in John chapter 12, verse 23, he said, the hour has come for the son of man, talking about himself, to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, Jesus Christ is that grain of wheat who died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again, not only so he could have a transformed body, but so he could bear much fruit of many transformed bodies. When we who trust in Christ die and are buried, we too can be confident that we will one day be bodily raised with Jesus. If you remember from last week, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, Paul told us that Christ was just the first fruits of the resurrection. And that at his second coming, those who belong to Christ will also be raised from the dead. Jesus is just the first of the resurrected bodies. But he's not the last. He is the first of a great harvest of bodies, of all who belong to him that will be raised bodily when he comes again. So in order for total transformation, we have to die physically and then be physically raised from the dead. Paul continues in verse 38 and he says, but God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. So an apple seed, when it is buried and dies, when it raises to life, it becomes an apple tree. A tomato seed, when it is buried and died and raises to life, it becomes a tomato plant. A human body, when it dies and is buried and is raised in Christ, it becomes a human body again, but on a much grander scale. Paul goes on using creation to tease out God's capability to create different types of bodies. Verse 39, Paul says, For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. All of these bodies are majestic, and God made them all. And so the same God who made our current glorious body is certainly capable to make for us a more glorious body in the new heavens and new earth after we die and raise again. In one of his lighter moments, Benjamin Franklin penned his own epitaph. And he didn't profess to be a born-again Christian. Nonetheless, these words from 1 Corinthians 15 gave him such comfort, even if it was not uh, genuine comfort. And he wrote this. The body of B. Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here. Food for worms. 
but the work shall not be wholly lost. For it will be as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. See, the world tries to convince us that death is natural, but death is the most unnatural, tragic, horrible thing in the entire world. Just take a child to a funeral and show them the dead body. It will remind you of how horrible and sad death is. It is a tragedy to be grieved by Christians and non-Christians. But for the Christian, death is not only a tragedy, which it is, but is also a gift of God's grace. Because death is the door, it is the gateway, it is the portal to a resurrected, transformed body. And so how do we get a transformed body? We must die in Christ by faith so we will also be risen with Christ at his second coming. The second question is, what do we obtain with a transformed body? Version 1.0 of our bodies is pretty spectacular. I mean, how amazing is it that our body can get cut and heal itself? How amazing is it that a female body can produce a child? How amazing is it that our body can perceive and calculate and then swing and hit a curveball? Version 1.0 is pretty spectacular, but version 2.0 blows it out of the water. Paul lists four major upgrades in version 2.0 of our body's transformation. The first upgrade that he lists of version 2.0 of our body is an imperishable body. Look at verse 42 with me. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. The last I checked, there was a one-to-one ratio between those who were born and those who died. Either they died through a car accident or some violence or simply by their bodies breaking down. All of them die. Every body that is born is going to die. But version 2.0 of our physical bodies has no shelf life and no expiration date. Not only will they live forever and ever 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 and ever, but they will no longer be subject to any physical decay. This means that there will be no more graveyards, no more hospitals, and no more retirement communities. Not only will our new bodies be imperishable, but they will also be raised as a glorious body. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, that is in disgrace, in shame, and it is raised in glory. You know, version 1.0 of our bodies are glorious, as we mentioned before. But they deteriorate. They waste away. And when they die, they look shameful. They look vile. And that's why we have morticians. Morticians that will put certain padding into our body to make it look normal. That will put makeup on us just so that the living can stomach looking at the dead. The dead are sown in dishonor. It is vile looking. But in the resurrection, our bodies will be beautiful. They will be flawless. They will be perfected. Version 2.0 of us will have the following updates. We will be imperishable. We will be glorious. We will be powerful. Verse 43 continues. It is sown in weakness. 
It is raised in power. Now, this isn't saying that we will be able to lift cars over our head, but that our bodies will no longer be overcome by sickness or infirmities, infirmities or fatigue seasonal effectiveness disorder and mental illness and cancer and viruses and plagues will be a thing of the past. This past week, I was walking out of a business and I asked the secretary if she had any hand sanitizer that I could use. And she looked at me and she just said, you know what? This needs to be over. I said, what does? And she said, this whole coronavirus thing, it just needs to be over. And as I was driving away, I thought to myself, there is a day coming when the corona thing will be over, when our new bodies are endowed with power over every sickness and disease, even death itself. Version 2.0 of our bodies will have the following glorious upgrades. Our bodies will be non-perishable, glorious beyond our comprehension, powerful against disease. And finally, our transformed body that Paul highlights here will be upgraded with a supernatural spiritual body. Understanding this upgrade will take a little more time because it is hard to fathom. But Paul spends six verses on this one. Verse 44, he says it, talking about our body is sown into the grave, a natural body. That's what we have right now. Right now we have natural bodies. He goes on and says, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Now, Paul cannot be arguing for this disembodied floating spirit because that's exactly what Paul is arguing against this entire chapter. And so what does Paul mean by a spiritual body? Well, verse 45, he continues. He says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, talking about Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. And so we are born into this world receiving a natural body like Adam with all of the limitations. But then we receive the spiritual body. Verse 47, he continues. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that is Adam, okay? Now this is key. He says, we shall also bear the image of the man of of heaven. Who's that man of heaven? It is Jesus. And so all of us are born with a natural body. But for those who are of heaven, those who go to be with Jesus, Paul says we will also have a spiritual body. Now, what does this supernatural spiritual body look like? What does it do? How is it different than our natural body? And I think the easiest way to understand this resurrected, transformed, supernatural, spiritual body is looking at what Paul says here in verse 48 and 49. That we will have a body that is like Jesus's body, Jesus's resurrected body. First John 3, 2 says the same thing. It says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Philippians 3, 21 says, Christ will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. 
You see, after his resurrection, Jesus had a body, but it was no longer a natural body. It was a supernatural, spiritual body. The resurrected body of Jesus looked like Jesus, kind of, but it also didn't look like Jesus because he was perfected. For example, the disciples on the way to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus until he broke bread, and then they recognized him. At first, Mary thought Jesus was a gardener, but then he said her name and she recognized him. People seemed to not recognize Jesus at first, his resurrected body, until they got a good look at him because his resurrected body was perfected, except for the nail-scarred hands and the spear wound in his side, which are, ex- which are eternal expressions of his love for us. Several years ago, after my wife was done burying our four children, uh, she decided to make a, a change in her diet. And she lost a lot of weight. And I, I, I'm proud of her, but I'm also a little bit bitter because I don't seem to have the same success. As a matter of fact, my goal has been to stay within 100 pounds of her. And so far, not so good. Anyways, right after she lost all of this weight, she was meeting with her parents in between here and Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to exchange the, the, the grandkids at a gas station. And as she walked up to her dad at the gas station, he walked right past her. He didn't recognize her until he recognized her. It, it was her, but it wasn't the her he remembered. It was a better version of her, a healthier version of her. Contrastingly, when people look at my wedding photo, they will often say, is this your little brother? See, this seems to happen when Jesus was raised from the dead, that that they didn't quite recognize him until they recognized him because he had a perfected body. Furthermore, Jesus's spiritual body, if you remember, had had the ability to appear suddenly even in locked rooms and it could vanish just as quickly. And yet with his spiritual body, Jesus could still eat bread and fish and cook and distribute food and people could touch him. He had the same body, but it was a different body. It was a supernatural spiritual body. And so will our bodies be as well. Another simple yet imperfect illustration of this transformation is the caterpillar. A caterpillar goes into a cocoon, which is like a grape. And when it comes out, when it is resurrected out of the cocoon, it is supernaturally transformed into a butterfly and it can fly. I don't completely understand what our resurrected bodies are going to be like, but I know this. They're going to be rad. (laughs) They're going to be awesome. They will be able to do things that we cannot imagine. I cannot Wait for version 2.0, for the transformed body, when the perishable body is raised to be imperishable, when the, when the body that is sown in dishonor is raised in glory, when the weak body is raised in power, and when the natural body is raised to a supernatural spiritual body. And so just to recap, how do we get our transformed body? Through dying in Christ and the being physically raised with Christ. What do we obtain with a transformed body? Imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritually supernatural bodies. Finally, why do we get a transformed body? In other words, why do we need it? Why can't we simply continue in the bodies that we have, the natural bodies? 
Paul tells us in verse 50. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Paul goes on to tell us when we get our spiritual supernatural bodies. Verse 51, he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed from our natural bodies to our spiritual supernatural bodies. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. You see, historically and biblically, we believe that when we die in that very next moment, although our body lay dead, our soul goes to be with Jesus. But when Christ returns in power, at the sound of the trumpet, when the new heavens and new earth are inaugurated, all the dead bodies of the saints of old from all the previous centuries will be changed into version 2.0. And then all the saints who are all alive on earth, when Christ returns, they will have their bodies transformed without any decay. And how fast will this happen? Verse 52 says, in the twinkling of an eye, can you do me a favor? Can you blink? That's how fast your body is going to be transformed when the trumpet sounds. Verse 53, he says, for this imperishable body must, okay, must, it must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Why must our bodies be changed? Verse 50, again, says it this way. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does this perishable, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Why must we get a transformed body? Very simply, because our natural bodies are not compatible with heaven, Okay. We get this non-compatibility thing in a time where technology is continuing to advance. Let me give you one example. Imagine if you had an old record, an old vinyl record, okay? And you took that old vinyl record and you said, yeah, it's round and it has grooves. And so I think I'm just going to stick it into a CD player. What would happen? Well, it wouldn't fit first off, but even if it did fit, it wouldn't work because it's not compatible. It is outdated. It is an old version, weak perishable, dishonorable, natural bodies are like old records. They're not compatible with heaven. That's why we need a transformed body. Paul continues in verse 40, 54 and says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable at Christ's return and the mortal puts on the immortality, then at that time in the future, when Christ returns, when we have our new bodies, then at that time shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Isaiah 25, which is being quoted here, verse 8 says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Hosea 13, 14, the other verse that's being quoted here says, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. Oh, death, where are your plagues? Oh, Sheol, where is your sting? Right now, in this life, death stings. 
Doesn't it? I mean, it stings. It is painful. If you've ever had a loved one die, you grieve. You know that there is an emptiness. You know it's not the way it's supposed to be. Death stings. And one day when we die, there's probably a lot of pain involved with that as well, both emotional and physical. But that's why we use drugs to numb people so that they don't feel the pain, so they don't feel the sting of death. Death stings. It is horrible. It is awful. But for the Christian, it is only a sting. It does not get the final victory. And at that time in the new heavens and the new earth, when our bodies will be raised from the dead, death will lose all power. We will be able to mock death for it will no longer have any victory or any sting because there will be no more sin against God. And so therefore there will be no more death. How do we get this victory? Who is our champion? Who is the hero? Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He he gives it to us. We don't win it. We don't earn it. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why can't we have this hope of a totally transformed body? Why can't we have this hope that death will be swallowed up? Why can we have this hope that death will lose? It's because Jesus had victory over death on our behalf because Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead to die no more so that in him, we too may rise to everlasting life to die no more. Let me end with this, and it's gonna take a little bit, but let me end with this. Today, as we peeked into our glorious future and consider the total transformation of our bodies. As we dream about heaven, as we consider the new heavens and the new earth, this is a great exercise to do, one that we should probably do on a daily basis. But with this said, as we dream about heaven, there might be some temptation to neglect the present, as if if people would treat this life like a waiting room, simply waiting for the great paradise that is to come. C.S. Lewis, though, observed this. He says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most about the next. And I think that's why in verse 58, Paul exhorts us. After this great chapter about the resurrection, Paul exhorts us outwards. He says this, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. This verse tells us that while we are not only to believe in our future resurrection and hope in our future future resurrection, we are also to live all of life in the shadow of the resurrection. Paul says, Be steadfast, stand your ground, no matter what. Hold to the truth of the glorious gospel. Be immovable, be firm, fixed, stable, unshaken in your hope in Christ's resurrection and ours. And he says, be abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 1, Paul uses this phrase, working in the Lord, and it specifically applies to sharing the good news of Christ with others. And so in this final verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is exhorting us in light of the resurrection to keep on sharing the good news of Christ with others, even when it is difficult, even when it is awkward, even when we are tired, to continue to share, to not sit in a waiting room for paradise, but to tell others about the future that is to come. 
See, knowledge of this good news of the gospel and the future resurrection should spur us to abound in the work of the Lord, to share the good news of the gospel and the glory of the resurrection. As we study heaven and cherish heaven, it should propel us outward into this earth. Let me give you an example. My favorite park in Green Bay, one that many people don't know about, even some who've grown up in Green Bay, is a park called Fonferrix Glen. A couple months ago, I took, some of, I took my kids and some of their friends there. And if you've never been there, it's amazing. Uh, there is a hole in the earth and you can see it from the top and you can see it from underneath as well. Down in the valley, there is a creek that runs through it and there's all these different types of rocks and you can take up rocks and throw them at the wall if you want. You can climb up these really cool crevices. There are these amazing tree roots that stick out of the ground that you can also climb up. You can also climb behind this waterfall and it's just an amazing place. And so every time I go, when I come back, I become an evangelist for it. I tell my neighbors, I tell my friends, you got to go see this place, Fawn Farish Glen. Have you ever heard of it? It's amazing. You should go. I become an evangelist for it because I love it and because I love my friends. You see, when we meditate on heaven, when we grasp deep down in our bones the beauty of the resurrection, this should not lead us to apathy and atrophy, but it should propel us outwards to set the world on fire to become these great evangelists, to get the word out to anyone and everyone of the glory that is to come for all who trust in Christ for their salvation. What should we do with this good news we have heard today of totally transformed supernatural spiritual bodies that are to come? We should treasure it. We should hope in it. But then we should go Tell it from the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. We should spread this amazing news to everyone and anyone, knowing that in the Lord, our labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the good news of heaven. God, may we, may we meditate on it. May we dream of it. May we enjoy it, even here as we think forward to it. But God, may it be something that, that propels us outward. May we live in the shadow of the resurrection, that we may hold this life loosely, but tell others about a destiny that could be theirs as well. And so God, give us the strength and the power and the joy to tell others the good news of the gospel and the glory of the resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our benediction today comes from this chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. Hope to see you Friday night for Trivia Night.